Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Cats by 90, a podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon here with you guys. So I'm going to preview a little football game, talk some basketball. Um, we're heading in. It's almost November, Aaron. So um, things are just progressing and progressing. It is a big, big um, sports time right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a huge game football-wise this weekend. Really, if you think about it, if you want to keep – if Mark Stoops and company want to keep the fan base, you know, still engaged on football, they better win this damn game this weekend because uh, basketball preseason opener will be Sunday. they got another one next weekend, and then it's off to the Garden to take on Michigan State. And yep, yep, just 100%. Like that, we're back uh-huh. in basketball season. Yeah, lots of stuff, and I agree about uh, Mark Stoops and the fan base, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about football. But first, we'll get in our feelings a little bit, do that. Um, so mine are pretty simple. Um, something that pissed me off this week, pretty mild one, but it, it kind of it reminds me now every year. So NBA season started last night, obviously. And, um, man, I hate that Anthony Davis and LeBron James went to the Lakers because I cannot uh, I'm so glad 11 p.m. tip-off. I hate LeBron. I hate the Lakers. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting to that point, man. I really don't want to get down on this train, but I was a, I've been a huge LeBron fan his entire career. And over these last few months, I mean, China stuff aside, just little stuff yeah. that he's doing is kind of getting me to be more, like, I don't know if I'm not definitely not going to say I don't like him still, but I'm starting to kind of see through the lens of his haters a little bit more. But my real thing with that that pissed me off is just that I wanted to watch him play so bad last night. That was a great game. And, you know, it's 11 p.m. tip-off basically on the East Coast. It's just impossible. And it's it's going to be the same thing for the rest of the season. You know, maybe catch them on a weekend game. Um, and that's about it. Yeah. And, I mean, I think the better team there is the Clippers. They're, they're going to be so damn good and fun to watch. But, obviously, you know, the thing with the Lakers, uh, what's attractive here is not only is AD there, but you got Rondo and – uh, Frank Vogel has Kentucky ties. He was a manager here, mm-hmm. so uh, definitely a UK squad. They got in uh, LA there. I don't know. I guess same arena for now. LA Lakers. That is. <laughs> yeah, I saw a funny tweet last night that was like, "Man, the Lakers really need to get Danny Green some help." <laughs> <I> thought, <laughs> That's funny. He yeah. was phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Yeah, I thought that was good. Uh, and then something that made me feel good this week. Um, very simple on this one. Cade freaking Cunningham. Um, just That's all the stuff update. that that seems like you know. Um, Kentucky is going to be like an imminent decision that that's really cool to me. So, um, that was my feel good. What about you, man? Uh, the bad, um, I could easily say it was the Yankees lost the Astros and that yeah. was definitely awful. It still kills me, but, uh, what I'm going to go further with that is this whole thing with the Astros. I don't know if you read the SI story where their assistant general manager screamed at a woman, a female reporter who was wearing a domestic violence awareness video saying, I'm so glad we got effing Ozuna. And for the listeners who aren't aware of Roberto Ozuna's situation, he's the closer for the Astros. And last year, he was suspended 75 games for beating his wife, which yeah. is obviously uh, not good. 
and the fact he was screaming at hit and it, it was a weird timing too because it came Ozuna in the game against the Yankees actually gave up the lead Houston won it in the bottom of the ninth they gave up a two home two run home run to tie it so clearly it seems like all that was uh really just a disturbing statement regarding domestic violence and all that towards women and the Astros instead of you know kind of denouncing that uh decided to back him up and say that the SI story was fabricated and all it, it was taken the wrong way and that that disgusted me absolutely disgusted me and me and dick gabriel and our, our new um board operator there um we all decided we're rooting for the national in the world series yeah that was garbage i saw that too just i mean regardless of if you think that story was had inaccuracies in it i mean why do that and i definitely expect to see some um some disciplinary actions coming down from Major League Baseball. Oh, that that, that guy, I, I sure the hell hope they fire that assistant general manager. Just, just disgusting comments. Absolutely disgusting. And it's it's just all stupid, all stupid and disgusting. That's all I got on that. But on a good note, uh, one of my favorite guys. Obviously, I haven't been covering UK too long, but between football, baseball, basketball, favorite one of the and uh, fa- uh, one of my favorites so far is PJ Washington. Dude, Are you I- aware what? Have you Are you seen, aware what this man is doing right now? I just pulled it up. I was like biting my tongue so hard, and I was yep. I was almost interrupted you. Oh my god! Dude. Oh this my is seven god! Threes, um, twenty seven Yeah, and he, they're just and, tied the game too. So we'll keep our eye on that. It's uh, so it's yeah. one eighteen to one eighteen with two to go. Oh my gosh, dude! What an introductory to the league. I had to like yeah. double check that just now. I'm so glad you said that. Jeez, Louise. That's awesome unbelievable and you know all the hype with the rookie of the year and a kentucky guy went to tyler hero for the preseason and summer league and rightfully so uh charles barkley i don't know if you said today guaranteed that tyler is going to win rookie of the year and i sure the hell hope so i i root for all these guys obviously but tyler's going to have a great year but people are sleeping on pj washington man seriously dude he's also played the most minutes for um the Hornets so far. Hornets. Wow, that is crazy. I'm not gonna say I'm like extremely surprised that he's doing well, but I'm definitely surprised. His first game. Seven <laughs> threes tonight, seven for oh. ten from three. Um Hero's playing too. They're just um kind of just um start of the third quarter pretty much. Heat down five. Hero's just shooting two for seven. Hasn't shot a three, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Just have three like boards and five points, but long way to go on that one. But yeah, dude. Oh my gosh. But, we'll keep around on that one as we're talking because dude, I'm just like blown about- away by this. I don't know about PJ, but I know Tyler got the start in his rookie in his NBA debut, so that's pretty cool. Um, I, uh, Nick, my Knicks are playing Keldon Johnson in the Spurs. I don't really know what Keldon's role is going to be this year. He was obviously a late first round guy who slipped a bit, so I don't really. That Spurs team's got a lot of experience, and you don't normally see them play their rookies that much like other teams do. So see if he does anything. But PJ got to be—he's just such a likable guy. He's a joy to cover last year, and that makes me so happy to see. Yeah, for sure. He did start the game. Like I said, he's played um the most minutes on the Hornets with 36. He just missed a three, so yes. seven for 11. But like I said, we'll keep around that. Uh, 118-118, under two minutes to go now in that one against the Bulls. But, um, man, we're talking basketball now, but I kind of want to start with football because um so both Aaron and I had the opportunity this week, um or, you know, you just a minute ago, me yesterday, to jump on some Missouri football podcasts. So I kind of had mm-hmm. to brush up, and I really wanted to touch on this on the um, Cats by 90 podcast. Give us a follow at Cats by 90 on Twitter. Um, but I was so surprised, Aaron, like the saltiness of the Missouri fans. And I'm kind of like, dude, this is Kentucky football. Like, how can you hate us that much? 
But I went back, so I, I knew that Kentucky had a four-game winning streak against Missouri. But I went back and looked at these games, and I'm really bad about, like, remembering past basketball games, football games. I just kind of, like, when it's over, it's over. I let it go. But I'm just going to roll roll down, Aaron, the last um, four games that Kentucky's played Missouri and all these wins. And I kind of asked on – we'll get into our Twitter poll in a minute, but they're just all have their own unique element that was awesome. Yeah. So. 2015, Kentucky beats um, 25th-ranked Missouri, 21-13 to behind Patrick Tiles, um two touchdown passes. And that was that broke an 18-game losing streak for the Cats against ranked opponents, which is kind of a huge win in the Mark Stoops area. You know, you could argue it was one of the bigger ones, even though we found out later that Missouri actually sucked and they went like 1-7 in the SEC. But at the time, huge win, 2015. Moving into 2016, this just like blew me away. I totally, I guess, forgotten about this. Benny Snell rushes for 38 times for 192 yards and two scores. And Boom Williams ran for 182. They combined for like 375 yards on the ground between those two guys. Just freaking unbelievable. Then you go to 2017. Um, what a shootout. Kentucky wins. Yep. I mean, Missouri isn't that good, but they won 40 to 34 and just a crazy shootout. Um, that was wild. Benny Snell had two touchdowns in that one, and then obviously the last year, run. yeah, yeah, he had. A, I think it was the longest run of his career, and yep, then um, and then last year, obviously, needs no explanation. Um, last year was just an absolutely incredible game, but blew me away, Aaron. As I was doing some prep to jump on some Missouri shows this week, I was like, "Wow, no wonder they hate us." <laughs> Yeah, I uh, talking to their uh, the show I went on is called the Mizu Cast. They were great. They're super fans. They really are. I listened to their whole. They did a whole seventy minute episode ranting about the. They lost to Vanderbilt last week, of course, which was shocking to say the least. But yeah, Kentucky's just had their number, and you like you said, they've all been kind of they've been close and wacky games. And uh, no, I don't think any. I was at the game two years ago. The shootout. It was Drew Locke. Pretty much, it was really Drew Locke against Benny Snell. More than St- I mean, Stephen Johnson had some big throws down the field, but Benny was unbelievable that game, like he almost always was. But um, last year, man, it was just that was just something else. I mean, I-, I was talking to Dick Gabriel about this. When have you ever seen a team not give up a first down and a half? I mean, Missouri mm-hmm. went three and out every single possession in that second half. Kentucky just owned them. Um, there's no other better way to say it. And then you know, it just slowly allowed them to get going a little bit when you have you know Lynn Bowden the punt return gives you new life and then that last drive Terry Wilson that's his that's his best moment as a wildcat if you ask me because you know it's such a bad game that to the point where he was benched for Gunnar Hoke and they put him back yeah. in there because Gunnar can't do anything and he had I mean almost a perfect drive hitting Bouvier and he hit Bitlin and he hits you know the Ahmad Wagner pass interference that's a questionable call but it goes UK's way and then you know, he's still got to go out and execute the untimed down, and they they did just that. He hit CJ, who wasn't even supposed to be the guy to throw it to in that play, and it was just unbelievable. Yeah, I believe the show I went on was called um, Before the Box Score. It's kind of a cool name. It was, um, you know, just a preview show for Missouri football and basketball, and the word that he used for Kentucky against Missouri was voodoo magic. He wanted to know <laughs> what kind of voodoo magic we had, and like I said, going through those games, man, it, it is understandable about how we're kind of like they're thorn in their side and they absolutely hate us. So 
It looks like, Aaron, another potential rain game on Saturday, calling for oh, rain in yeah. Lexington, a night game. So oh. hopefully it's not much of the same um, as Saturday because even though it was nice to see Kentucky hang in there against Georgia, what a brutal game to watch. Um, it, was really, it was really tough. And, um, I mean, just the fact that Kentucky basically went that entire game, didn't complete a pass. I said on that final few drives of the game, I was like, please, dear God, just throw a dunk pass or something. So the storyline for the next seven days isn't that Kentucky was the first team in 20 years in, in um, Division One football to not complete a pass with over 10 attempts. So they at least got that done, but who knows, man, should've the weather's a, looking rough. Well, they should have had a passing touchdown, you know, even with all the bad uh, – all the bad – um uh, inability to pass, I guess, are the words I was looking for. But, you know, Chris Rodriguez dropped the ball in the end zone. Anyway, um, yeah, the rain, it actually, uh, only 1.9 inches of rain is the forecast. So going to be absolutely horrible weather here in Lexington for that game. And, whew, I mean, it. I, we talked to the Kentucky defense today, and they're all for it. <laughs> they're excited because, you know, that's going to slow down Kelly Bryant. He's an electric player, um, both throwing and running, but that's going to slow him down definitely throw in the ball and make them a little more one-dimensional so Kentucky's defense isn't too uh, opposed to this rain but that's just the worst news possible for this Kentucky offense it really is coming off a game first time being shut out in the Stoops era and you know Drake Jackson said you know they the offensive line played a really good game and the offense played a little better than obviously what the scoreboard showed and they did because they moved the ball down the field a few times and then you know a couple holding penalties screw them over one of them not uh mark stoops had some choice words for that uh i got the uh sec commissioner to issue a long statement today on how refs can't be perfect on that and whatever that's besides the point but um definitely they played a little better than the box score showed i know the completing passes didn't happen uh for lack of better terms but you know (laughs) crazier things happen i don't know if you remember but last year when Kentucky played Vanderbilt and beat them 14-7, Terry Wilson was like three for four, three for something with 18 yards. So you can win mm-hmm. a game like that where your passing game is taken away if you have a strong enough running game. And uh, that didn't happen. The weather conditions were tough, but tip your cap to the uh, tip your cap to the Kentucky defense. Uh, they played a whale of a game. The secondary has been so much better than anyone could have expected, and they made Georgia one-dimensional. So. It really could be another slugfest this weekend where it's very, very low scoring. Yeah, I mean, the defense has been stellar, man. That Really, sure. with the exception of that long run to start the Arkansas game, they've been lights out, dude. I mean, you hold Ever Georgia. Ever since then. Yeah, it's even 21 points, zero points at the half, raining or not. I mean, that's been impressive. They've been giving them a chance to win. So, um, I don't know, Aaron, did you have a chance to go to any press conference stuff? I, I'm like, it's baffling to me with all the media coverage that Kentucky gets, is Sawyer, what's hurt on Sawyer Smith? Is he going to play? Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? This is just crazy to me, the, the secrecy in this whole deal. And he was obviously warming up on the sidelines at Georgia, didn't go in. And my, my, my thoughts are that he was planning to not go in against Georgia. I think the plan was to keep him out. That was a loss no matter what. You know, keep him healthy. Um, to start playing against Missouri. But what are your thoughts, man? Do you think he gets in the game? I don't feel like he's going to no. start, but do you think he plays Saturday? I don't. I don't think he's going to play Saturday. I think I think he's too injured to play, period, right now. They're, you know, it, I, it's hard to blame Mark Stoops and the coaching staff for keeping it close to the belt because you want the defense to be the opposing defense it is to be ready for anything. 
So you don't want them to focus on now that, you know, secrets out on Lynn Bowden, right? I mean, you saw he tore apart Arkansas, but then Georgia made adjustments by, you know, having a spy and, you know, everyone has it on tape now. He's, I mean, they're going to have to find a way to have some wrinkles. They didn't do that well last weekend, um, you know, to catch Mizzou off guard, but Missouri is going to be ready for Lynn. So they got to at least try to keep the door open for Sawyer so they can, maybe take away some of their time and have them, you know, take a look at Sawyer. But I'd be really surprised if you see him out there at all. And it's just, it's unbelievable that they can't get enough from, and I'm not trying to, you know, dig on any of the kids here, but it's really hard to believe they can't, they feel like they can't get anything from a Walker Wood because that kid's been in this offense now for three years. And I know he had the knee surgeries and he's banged up and all that, but, you it, just to have someone who could throw a ball out there, and I'm not saying Lynn can't throw because he actually made some pretty nice throws, and he he's done a few good things throwing the ball, but it's just it's baffling to me because you really miss Lynn at his natural position. He's here to be a receiver, and they need him in that position, and they can't use him that way. And I, I wouldn't expect to see Sawyer until at the earliest the Tennessee game after the bye this week or next week that is. I think we're kind of, I guess I disagree with like both of that. I think we're on opposite ends because I, I was saying this week that I think Sawyer will get in the game, but I guess I'll throw a little caveat on that. I mean, I, well, I guess maybe two. If he's hurt, he, he's not going in, but he's warming up against Georgia. I mean, I don't know. But I think if he's healthy enough to enter the game and then, I, I mean, Lynn's going to start. But, man, if they go out again and they go three and out two or three times, I'm not going to be surprised to see Sawyer Smith Unless it's like a maybe this is the third caveat too. Unless it's just monsooning again, where it's just a wacky game and it doesn't make sense. But it, to me, that's it's what, still that's why you gotta get Walker Wood ready, right? I mean, so that was my other piece. I'm I'm in the camp that like I just I don't. It's never gonna happen, man. That's the way that I feel. If no. it happened, if it hasn't happened yet, I just they have to have a reason that it's not happening. Whether or not sure. they just feel like he he just he's incapable of playing in an SEC game is my only takeaway for being, you know, with only five games left and all this turmoil and looking for answers. And he's just, he's not even came up on the radar like whatsoever. Yeah, it's 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 sad because he's such a good kid and I've interviewed him a few times and, he you know, he's focused and he works his butt off, but he just must not be where they want him. And I just, I don't know. I really, I, I would put, I'd put it at like a 15% chance to see Sawyer out there. I just don't see them risking it. And I think part of that too is because, I mean, maybe he's closer than I think, but there also there's this side of it. It's Mark and that staff, they felt genuinely bad about the situation they put him in down in South Carolina. Right. I mean, he should have been taken out way earlier. I mean, he should have been, as soon as he took one hit, uh, he probably should have been taken out and they didn't take him out. They made him play through it. They made it, they, he gets a new injury in that game. He gets embarrassed and people are criticizing him when he, he just literally could not play. And they feel bad about that. And now they're going to be really, really cautious with him, maybe to a point where they're too cautious. And they, they really botched it on that one. And um, obviously, and some of it, I mean, most of it goes to the coaching staff and pushing it. But some of it goes on Sawyer, too, because, at, you know, you respect the hell out of him wanting to play through it. And he's so tough, and you know I respect him for that, and I, I guarantee you the team respects him more than anyone. But you got to be honest to help your team get in the best situation to win because I know it was garbage time, but in that South Carolina game, you know South Carolina wasn't ready for Lynn building their quarterback, and it showed on that last drive. So I, I, I really think that 
the South Carolina game has effects that are still, you know, even though they have a win since then, it's still, you know, affecting this team right now. Quick NBA interruption. So uh, Charlotte's now up 126, 125, four seconds ago. PJ still sitting on 27 points. I like how I'm doing this like it's live, too. Like everyone's not going to know what happens once they listen to this. But <laughs> I'm amused. Um, well, what is it, Aaron? Is it his wrist? Because they said on the SEC broadcast uh, that was kind of breaking news that his wrist was fractured. And I was yeah. like, what the hell, man? Um, people like you, we would know that, you know. But um, I'd heard yeah. that, you know, that Mark Stoops privately meets with those guys. And then maybe right. he let that slip. Yeah, they're. I mean, I, from what I understand is, yes, they obviously they have the TV meetings every week um, with whoever's calling the game. And what I was, I forgot who I heard it from, but I guess they're they're pretty much they have to give them the most information possible because they're the ones calling the game to the national audience, and you know they, you know, they have to know what's going on so they don't look stupid, basically. <laughs> so. He probably let that one slip. And that makes all the sense in the world, right? You saw, we all saw how he was shaking his wrist after he chased the defender down the Florida game. And he hasn't been the same since that play. So it makes all the sense in the world. I think it just, um, it just confirms what we all originally thought. And then, you know, he has the shoulder injury and the back injury, or I don't know if it's back or whatever the hell it is. He's just beat up. And that's partly from all the, the offensive line had a terrible game in South Carolina. And they let him get hit and hit and hit. And it happened also in Mississippi State. And both times they didn't take him out when they should have. And that's that's on them. And now they're in a really bad position because of it. And, you know, Lynn's done some good things at the quarterback position that really no one else could do because of his skill set. But being a one-dimensional offense in the SEC is not going to happen. It's not going to work in almost any level of football because as soon as you're on tape, people are going to be able to prepare for it. So. Really, really tricky spot the Cats are in right now. Yeah, I agree, and it is tough. I mean, it, like I said, even though the the Georgia game had so many encouraging points to hang in there and, I mean, have a genuine chance to beat them, just watching these, you know, option fake handoffs run up the middle is just uh, so brutal so sometimes. Everyone so, knows what's coming. Yeah, yep. it can be brutal, so I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. I, I do think the weather will play a factor, and um, I think those first three or four drives, that first quarter of the game will be – um, you know, something to look out for. And I kind of had the rule of thumb, and I talked about this with the Mizzou guys, is that I think it's something crazy. Like Kentucky has only allowed 30 points like once in the last 28 games, which is psycho. And then Missouri has like a crazy streak of um winning when they score 30. And I know that sounds kind of dumb if they score a lot of points to win, but that's kind of the number. I think if Kentucky can can hold them under, figure out a way to put some points on the board, that's their their recipe to win. But um so what's your what's your prediction man I'll go first I think um it's just hard for me to pick Kentucky to win I know they beat Arkansas but it's just been so many abysmal quarters of football ever since September 14th against Florida um I think the spread's 10 so that's what I'm calling it I got Missouri 27 um not hitting that 30 point mark but still beating Kentucky Missouri 27 Kentucky 17 was my prediction yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I've been back and forth on this game like this week. At the beginning, I'll stick with my original prediction at the beginning of the year, which was uh, I thought that Missouri would win this game, and I think Missouri's Missouri's in a tricky spot too because they still have a chance to win the SEC East. But remember, they have a bowl ban, so question is, it could all go for nothing in a sense where you know they go, they'll probably get wrecked by Alabama or LSU down in Atlanta, and then it's all for nothing, and that that's if they can beat Georgia and Florida. And, you know, 
the question is, will Barry Odom have that team ready to play? Because they know unless it gets overturned, they're not going bowling. And they just left a Vanderbilt. So if they had any chat at a playoff, that's over. So it's going to be really interesting to see if you can get them to play. Obviously, Barry Odoms hasn't beat Kentucky. So I've kind of kind of liked the – I think Kentucky's a little bit of a sexy pick in a sense. But I'll stick with my original prediction at the beginning of the year. And I think it's going to be extremely low scoring because of the weather. I'll give you a 17-7 Missouri. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, so I didn't even give the results to the poll. So the uh, Cats by 90 poll this week was which win over Missouri made you the happiest, you know, 15, 16, 17, or 18. I knew how this would end up, but we're kind of a prisoner of the moment. Even though I agree, 2018 was a landslide, 91%, 6%, 2017, 3%, 16, none for 15. But again, I think um, even though, again, it's it, you can't argue last year was just a freaking phenomenal game i actually listened to the tom leach call on the radio of it it was epic oh perfect Um, but i still it's funny like i said going back and looking at those games i was like wow they really have had some some of the greatest wins in recent memory for kentucky or at least most exciting but we'll see what happens um shitty luck for kentucky getting another team um after coming off a game that they shouldn't have lost so there you gotta assume that maybe that if nothing else will fire them up but um we'll, we'll see what happens on saturday and um Real quick, let's go ahead and get a, a break in on the Cats by 90 podcast. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon, give us a follow at BigBlueDrew33 and at AGershon99. But let's pause real quick here for a commercial break. All right, and we are back. Cats by 90 podcast. And now, Aaron, my man, let's talk some basketball. I'm going to start it off. Cade freaking Cunningham. Wait, hold on real quick. Hornets yes. win. I saw Hornets that. Yeah, Hornets win. win. Oh, there you go. PJ didn't get any more points, but um, yeah, twenty-seven okay. points, man. What a game! Rookie he, record, rookie he, record for threes. Wow, seriously? Yeah, twenty-seven, seven threes in his rookie debut. So rookie record for a debut, like I, I, I it's unbelievable. What a game! That, what a wow, kid. that is unfreaking believable. Good for him, man. That's like you said, man. Covering PJ, especially throughout the tournament. I mean, I always felt weird. I was like, we were both like uh chasing him around Jacksonville in a scooter. Um, like. That was weird. So I'm just so happy that, um, you know, he's able to do that. So good for him. But again, so I'm just mega hyped, Aaron. Cade freaking Cunningham. This looks like it's happening. It looked like it was announcement was going to get made Wednesday. There was a lot of rumblings online. Uh, maybe some poor information got leaked. And did you see Cade Cunningham's Instagram yesterday? Did you see what he did on Instagram? I'm thinking about, I actually didn't. I, you'll have to refresh me. I if If I'm mistaken, he wasn't happy that, this stuff got leaked. I saw something about that. So I'm just reading off um, Travis Graff um, from Cats Illustrated, um, his Twitter. Basically what he said what happened was that he kind of did an Instagram live or video. I don't know. I don't use IG that much. And he was like, he was basically like, oh, thanks all the programs that recruited me, you know, kind of started teeing it up for like an announcement and then said he was committing to um, DCU, the crib university. <laughs> so. Yeah. So kind of got everyone's hopes up. Now it seems like, um, I don't know if you saw this, Aaron, but it, it's, I guess, um, I'm going to Google this, make sure I'm giving accurate information, but that Florida was now getting a visit. So that kind of dispelled the rumors of a potential announcement coming, I guess, really soon. But still, man, everything is trending for Kentucky. The thought to me of Cade Cunningham teaming up with Terrence Clark and Brandon Boston, I mean, it's going to be incredible. Have you, John Calipari wants this kid so freaking bad. 
I mean, it's hard to <laughs> – I haven't seen him go this hard in a while. I don't know. UK basketball put out a video tonight of like, oh, it's not for everyone to come here and blah, blah, blah. Like they're they're pulling it all out to try to get this kid, you know, doing it by the rules as possible. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, if they get him, I mean, what a t- you're looking at a scary-looking freaking team next year. You're looking at a potential uh, – definitely – number one team entering the season with uh you know eyes even people looking even closer at them than usual so uh, i mean we'll see uh i I don't know if that commit if his commitment's really coming soon especially like you said if florida's really getting a visit um but it's it it definitely seemed like it was you went it was oklahoma state above everyone then unc and then kentucky now doesn't seem like unc is very much in the picture anymore uh, maybe Florida sneaks in, but it looks like it's a two-horse race between OSU and the only reason OSU's in it, not to, you know, uh, denounce their program, but it's because he has family connection there. And then obviously Calipari wants him in blue bad. Yeah, did you see um, Jack Pilgrim's, like, timeline on that? Like, huge shout-out to Jack. I mean, that dude works so hard. If you haven't seen that, um, look at it. He went on, like, an in-depth article just about the timeline of all the touches Kentucky has had on Kate Cunningham. And it's jaw-dropping. He actually even said that it was the player that that Coach Calipari has recruited the absolute hardest in his tenure at Kentucky, which says it all. I mean, they visited him like a ridiculous amount of times. Yeah, and someone said something to me about how like (laughs) um, he calls him after every visit or something. I don't know exactly what it is, but he really wants this kid. And that should tell you everything you need to know because – you know, Cal's a great, he's a great recruiter, but, you know, if he, he's not going to go all out like some others will, unless he really knows something. And, you know, when Cal speaks, you listen, because that guy knows, he knows, his, he knows how to do this job. <laughs> yeah, especially when you consider that the class is already loaded. He already has some good backcourt options. Too you know many, I mean? almost. So- it's like almost too many backcourt guys and need more frontcourt guys, but uh, that's just the talent you don't pass up on. And he's been going on these ranch, you know, about he's not going to be a hat on the table, you know. And so if he's recruiting a kid that hard, you know he thinks he has a great chance. In ball indications, Kentucky's the leader. But that makes me – because I don't know – I've never seen Kate Cunningham play live. I know I keep saying, but I I will get a chance to do that in December. I think it's going to be kick-ass if he's a Kentucky commit because we'll definitely probably get some content, um, some exclusive content for the podcast and stuff. But the fact that he's just on this kid so much just really lets me know that he thinks he's an extremely special player. And then he's going to probably dominate in his year in college. So all eyes are going to be on that from a recruiting standpoint um, over the, you know, basically until he commits, which it's also weird that, you know, no date said it could, it could be five minutes from now. It could not be until the spring. So it's, um, I think, uh, it's Jaden McDaniels yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I, I think that it'll be sooner than later though. Cause there's just, there's just a lot of, and it just kind of feels like that with, just all the stuff that's breaking and Cal visiting him so regularly that I think he's probably getting his ear on a commitment. But before any of that happens, or I guess, um, you know, before he's on campus, potentially, Kentucky's got um, their first exhibition game this weekend. They'll play Georgetown College from right down the road. I'm covering the game. I'm excited to see some actual basketball. It will finally maybe put um, the last bit of Neosporin and the Band-Aid on the Elite Eight loss um, to Auburn and just really move forward and turn this chapter and and I'm anxious to see, um, you know, what the guys can do. Cal said, like, multiple times after the blue-white game that, you know, it's different when the popcorn's in the, you know, stands. You can smell it. The fans are cheering. 
um, and all that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what these guys can do um, against other competition, even though it's maybe not the best competition. And I'm also really anxious to see like what lineups he goes with, the starting lineup, who plays well together. And there's a lot of spots up for grab from a starting perspective. Yeah, it, honestly, you would figure the only locks in the starting lineup right now are Ashton, EJ for sure. I mean, you would think Tyrese Maxey is going to be a guy, but I guarantee you he hasn't been told who's starting or not yet. So I, I really think those are the only two guys who are locked in, uh, penciled in the starting lineup. So definitely interested to see. Are you going to be there Sunday? Yeah, I'm covering the okay, game cool. Sunday. What about you? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. But um, Excellent. yeah, I'm really interested. In, you know, give obviously it's a D3 school, but it should be kind of fun to see Georgetown come in because they are the defending D3 champions. And there's obviously – it's cool that – you know, Kentucky's playing a lot of in-state schools this year, which both preseason and regular season. Because I want to say their second preseason game is uh, Kentucky State. And mm-hmm. then they play. I know they EKU is the home opener this year. And I, I want to say they, maybe that's it. I wanted to say they had one other Kentucky opponent in there. But maybe they play Western this year. I might be wrong on that. but I don't think they play Western. They don't no. play Western. But they, oh. play, they play Eastern, which will be cool. But it, I, I think it would just be really cool to see them. But. Yeah, the lineup. That's the big thing for me is what rotations is he going to go with and who's going to start. And that doesn't obviously, I'm going to, right now, I'm in the process of going back to see who started the first preseason game last year to see if it added up. But uh, definitely going to be very interesting to see that. Man, mark my words when I say Georgetown will come in there ready to play. I actually played Transylvania did. Transylvania did. These schools are, man, they're, they're, you know, they circled on their calendar. They, they recruit the kids to go there just for this opportunity. But mm-hmm. I actually had the opportunity to play at Georgetown when I played at Spalding. And um, thankfully, I did not get in that game because they kicked our butts, man. They were re- they're really, really, really good year in and year out. And um, I think that they, you know, you could see them be competitive in stretches of the game. But I was just thinking, Aaron, we haven't even really had a chance to recap the blue-white game either um, with me and you or on the Cats by 90 podcast. But, man, scrimmage or not, if you followed me on Twitter that night, I'm on the. I'm drinking that big blue Kool Aid, man. I think this team is fast. They look lethal if they can put it together. And um, I've been waiting to see it for myself. I, I wasn't worried it wouldn't be this way, but Tyrese Maxey's a stud, man. I think uh, I put on the internet as well. I think he'll drop thirty in the game this year. Like he just seems like an absolute killer. So I, I'm encouraged, man. I, I left the blue white game like really, really impressed. Yeah, I admittedly didn't get to it as much as I wanted to just because I was back in Connecticut. And uh, being honest here, it was during the Yankees game. So <laughs> it went back on it's the It's a blue-white game. You, you get a pass. Uh, yeah, yeah, for that one, I had to put it on the back burner. So I didn't get to see much. I did read um, – I mean, you'll have a better perspective because you were there, obviously. But I did read Sestina played really well. Um, Heck yeah, he did. Uh, that the hype for him is building more. I saw – I did watch the Juzang floater. I know he, overall I don't think he had the best game is what I saw, but the floater kind of took everyone by, like, wow. It was almost kind of reminded me a little bit of what Tyler Hero did with his floater a little bit last year. Uh, not to draw the comparison uh, that everyone likes to compare the two. But uh, and like I said at Media Day, I mean, obviously I didn't see them play at all during Media Day, but a really hungry group, really intelligent group, um, big personalities in a good way. And... I just, I like you said, I'm really excited to see how they mesh and how Calipari kind of rolls them out. Yeah, and um, yeah, obviously, I think Sestina was kind of the story of. I got a, a kind of a, a good story about that too. So 
he um he kind of dunked on Tyrese Maxey um, yeah. at one point, and he did the actually the PJ Washington. So I remember doing the little head tap. <laughs> so it was hilarious, man. Like in the after the game, you know, he was one of the players we got to talk to. So I just kind of immediately asked him. I'm like, hey, you know, I saw you catch Tyrese on that dunk and do the head tap. And Tyrese was next to him. So he kind of screamed over to him and had a good moment. And then Jerry Tipton's just awkwardly like, what does that mean? Oh, Jerry. <laughs> and everyone started laughing. He's like, uh, you know, it means I, it means I dunked on his head, Jerry. So that was funny. And, and dude, have you had a chance? Did you, did you have a chance to talk to Nate Sestina at Media Day? Have you spoken to him yet? So holy smokes, dude. Holy smokes. Well, I, not not take Reed Travis, extremely intelligent, good interview too. But this kid's on a different level, man. Wow. He yeah, is. he's like he's one of the most well-spoken people. I mean, I feel like he could do a better job on the Cats by Ninety podcast than us, like right now. And um, I got a good picture too that I haven't put online. I took a good picture actually from the upper deck in press row where he's like elbows at the rim, slamming one. And I think everybody in the Big Blue Nation for months has been like, I hope he's Reed Travis with some hops. He might and, um, be better. He kind of seems to fit that mode. Now, one thing I'll say about Reed, man, and I was really commenting on this watching the blue-white game, is I had forgotten. Man, when you're down on the floor watching him play, he was just incredible at dominating the game without touching the ball. I mean, he, the ball would be nowhere near him, and you just he's just slapping shoulders, man, with everybody getting position and just punishing anyone in the paint. So I don't know that Nate's going to be as like a you know physical presence, even though he's completely jacked. Um, but I think he's going to be, like you said, he could definitely turn out to be better. I mean, he, he, his three ball was looking great. And I think, um, as of now, he's probably kind of the fan favorite and just so many weapons. It left me from the blue white game. There's still probably questions in the front court with Nick and EJ. I think, um, I was looking back at my photos. I felt like EJ's hands were on his knees like several times. He seems to not maybe be in the best shape. So hope they get that figured out, um, by November 5th, um, with the champions classic, but, Overall, man, just, this team is just loaded. So lots to be encouraged about. Yeah, to say the least, they're going to be really fun to watch. And I did go back. So you're two. This you played two preseason games last year: Transy and Indiana Wesleyan. Both both games relatively close. But your starting lineup for Transy was Richards, Green, Travis, Washington. Quickly, then for. Wow, uh, Wesleyan. It was it was closer to the. I actually think this might have been the real. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was Johnson, Hagen's hero, Washington, Travis. Hold on, did you did you not say hero for the first game? Did he not start the first game? That's correct. Neither. Oh did my he. gosh! Well, actually, you should definitely put actually, that out online. Actually, Keldon, Ashton, and Tyler all didn't start. So. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, I don't but, know. Maybe that was my design. Then the second know. preseason game, it was the exact starting lineup you saw against Duke, which was Travis Washington, Hero Johnson, Hagen. So my then now my bet would be don't necessarily make much of the starting lineup on Sunday. Take something from it on fr next Friday against uh, Kentucky State. Great point. Great point. You should definitely put that online before um before Friday or on Friday because yeah. that, that's a really good point. Kind of looking back, yeah, maybe he'll do kind of some quirky stuff to throw, um, talking heads like me and you off, and then really look for K State for him to start tuning things in. But I'm so excited, man! I was like laying in bed last night. I couldn't even sleep. Already thinking about the Champions Classic. It's less than two weeks away now. Um, big news for that too with Langford being out for Michigan State. I hate that, man. I hate that every time. Um, even yeah. though Kiki last year, even though they still beat us, like I always want to play teams at full strength. 
hate seeing injuries, but that's a huge storyline going into that first game of the year. Yeah, that sucks. You never want to see anyone injured, um, especially Michigan State. I feel like they're always hit by the injury bug. So that's unfortunate. Um, uh, selfishly, I don't think Kentucky will miss him, but still, you want to play in that game. You want to see both teams at full strength. And, you know, as Calipari said last year, this game means a lot if you win it. And it, if you lose it, you wash it. It means nothing. So I really think that's that really is the way to look at it this year, especially because uh, this Kentucky team's absolutely freaking loaded. Uh, by March, they'll be ready to rock, and they could beat anyone in the country by then as long as they stay healthy. So if they win this game, that'll just give you more confidence. Uh, if they lose it, wash it like you did last year, and you know you'll probably be fine. Yeah, no matter what, for the end of time, and that's what bothered me the most about the shellacking that was last season is that's always going to be the measuring stick. If they win, you're going to be like, oh, don't forget, Duke beat Kentucky by 100, and it didn't really matter. And if they lose, you're going to say, oh, don't forget, you know, we can still be good. So that'll be the measuring stick, I think, forever. But I'm really hyped, man. I can't wait. I'm excited for um, Saturday. Uh, top four teams in the country. Yes. They're ranked one, two, three, four. Two, three, four. Yeah, awesome. in the AP poll. I saw that. It's just, it seems unreal, man, that I'm going to be there first time at Madison Square Garden. So hopefully I'll get some cool content to bring back to the podcast. And we appreciate everybody listening, man. I think this is like episode like 13, maybe 14. So really getting rolling. And shout out to the Mizzou people for having us on this yeah. week. And I hope you enjoy the game. Um, Saturday, Aaron, stay dry. And uh, we will. I, I um, will. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be in the press box. <laughs> Correct. But um, all right, man, we will talk to everybody next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at a Gershon 99 and at Big Blue Drew 33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.